Coming up on today's episode, we break down the Jets' OT loss to Montreal, plus a look back at the win in Colorado and a shakeup out in Ottawa. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, let's dive right on in as we get ready for the last few games for the Winnipeg Jets before the holiday break comes under a week to go until Christmas is here. So, uh, yeah, time's running out, so let's dive on into it. About an hour or so after the Winnipeg Jets return home from a trip out west, they battle back, but they drop an OT decision to the Montreal Canadian on home ice. So we'll break that one down, as well as look out to um, some more positive times in their last matchup against the Avalanche. And a few other bits of news and notes as well with you guys. Doing so with me once again is CJOB's Tyson Rewicki. Tyson, fresh off, is it fresh off the CJOB Christmas party? Is that where you were at? Yeah, uh, a Christmas get-together. Well, I wouldn't call it a party. Um, Brad, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm, having a hard try- I'm having a hard time trying to be cheery right now. People, I mean, you can't see what I'm wearing right now, but yeah. I'm decked out in Eagles gear. I just got lambusted. I don't even know if that's a word, but it's it's definitely not. But it fits the description here. I got absolutely I got chirped. I got it was just awful. Skylar Peters, Seahawks fan. Kind oh. enough to host. Kind enough to host, but man. <sighs> yeah, unfortunately, I, I'm with you. Like Yeah, I'm I'm with you on the Eagles train. And um, yeah, we have officially Departed Contenderland and have docked the train in Fraudville. So that's super cool when you start the season 10 and 1. It feels like it's over before the playoffs happen. <laughs> Not upset at all. That's super cool. Um, lamb basted, I think, is the words you were looking for, but we might have to make lamb boosted. Uh, <laughs> that, that might be, we might have to start keeping track of Tysonisms. <laughs> and lambusted is going to be right up there at the top. I, 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 yeah, pe- people are probably getting lambusted at Christmas office parties right now. I don't know if you were, uh, even though you're getting chirped out there by Skylar Peters and the rest of the CJOB team. But um, let's, you know, negative tones aside, let's push that out of the rear view because I don't think anybody wants to hear about it. Anyways, they want to hear... About the negative tones of a 3-2 OT loss to the Montreal Canadiens by the Jets. So let's break that one down. The first game back. And you know what? Kind of, to, to me at least, Tyson, it was the dangerous like schedule loss this game, right? Like the classic comeback home after a road trip and a lot of travel. And that first game back on the homestand usually ends in pretty sour fashion. And I, I just thought that's what we saw for the majority of the game. I didn't think the, the Jets played bad or anything like that, but I don't know, maybe just a tiny bit of lethargic play. Um, not as sharp as they've been basically all season long. And I mean, I'll just give them credit for, you know, sticking in the fight and finding a way to battle through and 
and just grabbing that single point, which is still big, right? Like, I mean, if you're not at your best, get it to OT and do the coin flip. And, you know, those points can add up uh, pretty quickly by the end of the year. But I, I, I thought they were fine, you know, going up against a Montreal team that's scrappy and, and pesky. But it, it just wasn't their best effort. And I think that it was pretty evident that the yeah, that's a tough. I know you go out west and, and, and California itself. Not much travel in there. But it's a long flight out. Even a Colorado after that, like another long flight. That's uh, that was a bit of a bit of a tough scheduling quirk there for the Jets, and I just thought it showed out there on the ice. Um, but you know, fortunate enough, at least down two zip in that situation to battle back and earn at least a single point on the night. Yeah, like you mentioned, like it was. This is the definition of a letdown game, right? Like this is. It's not that every team's going to have this. Like it's not, but you, you know, you come up a big win against arguably your biggest rival right now. And, and, and a dominant and convincing win too on top of that. And it's just, yeah, like Montreal comes in, you kind of have the big brother thing going on with them at the, at the moment right now. And so it's kind of, you just, you could see it coming realistically, like the deep, the decor, they weren't as sharp as they have been throughout the year. It's just, they, like you mentioned, they didn't play a bad game, but it just, it clearly wasn't their best game either. And Montreal came out to play like they were ready. They, they, they were able to impose some of their will on the Jets, I think, earlier on in the game. And then after, once the lead was kind of established, I thought the Jets were like, it's go time now. Like, let's, we're the better team here. Let's tie this one up. And they did. And, like, you look at what you're seeing, too, is, I mean, the Perfetti goal scramble in front, obviously, gets the rebound there. But that Velarde goal, the, the setup, like, leading up to that goal, too, you just see the skill oozing out of him. And he's really feeling it right now. Like, even on that goal, it looks... I mean, to some people, it may look really easy. That the, for what he did there is absolutely insane. At that angle, too, with how fast the puck was coming off off of the goaltender to get that that rebound off the skate, like that's just high level skill right there. You cannot teach that level of ability. And hey, like the Jets, if we keep on saying it more and more, especially after that LA game. But man, Chevy absolutely slaughtered the Kings. Oh absolutely slaughtered but yeah there's... yeah i mean yeah his, his hands are tremendous he's just he's a player like yeah. he's a keeper they, they, was, they was... just they nailed it yeah yeah totally and then it wasn't their best game but this is this is better if this is one of your worst games of the season realistically i think your team's doing pretty good right now and it and if you look back to the team last year i think if they had a game like this where there's a letdown game it's four or five nothing Montreal and you're like what is going on with this team but they they stuck in it it's just sometimes and then you get the power play at the end to like the Ehlers penalty it's probably a penalty but you know Montreal defender didn't do a hell of a whole lot to get out of the way on that like right like there's a little bit of I didn't I didn't like the call yeah, yeah I, don't know. I, I thought it was kind of cheesy he, he it, tripped yeah. them, but it, there was no effort made to avoid the trip either yes. you know what i mean like those yeah, ones like yeah look, let me just there's your stick and it's coming and um yep i'm just gonna i, I don't know i well, wasn't a big fan of it and then it just kind of ruins the otp or i know they don't call the you know the plays on whether or not it ruins the entertainment value of a game um but i just thought it was a i don't know i, I just didn't like the call all that much there but you're right i mean like look if that's your letdown game it's a that's a damn good letdown yeah. game to find a way to battle back there um, you know, they, they weren't sharp. I'm not sharp either, apparently, because for some reason I kept saying 
first game back to kick off a homestand. That yeah, that was Saturday. I don't know why. I don't know why I keep saying that. Um, sorry, excuse me. Just once. So I'll stop doing that. Um, <laughs> second game in the homestand there, but yeah, coming off that big win against Colorado, there maybe just a, a bit of a step back in terms of execution in the game. And I mean, they they weren't they weren't given any favors by the officiating, which I think we'll get to in this as well. Um, but I'll just quickly throw it over there to you, Tice. What did you see on the uh, the game winning goal? <laughs> Excuse me, I'm trying to get there. Uh, the game winning goal on the uh, the power play by Montreal. Something I know is, but I want to see if you picked up anything on on what went wrong on that one, and if anybody was to blame. Battle, battle through. I'll, 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 I'll I got, I get what you're putting down. I'll give you a little bit of reprieve, reprieve, another Tysonism, but <laughs> it was there. I mean, that was a really nice, a high level play pass by Suzuki that started it all off on the on the initial play there, right? Like it's just. You, you have the, def- especially on a four on three, you have the defenders kind of that you're getting scrambly at that point. You're all, you're trying to keep the triangle intact. You're trying to move along with the puck as a unit. And it's just, it's hard for three guys to kind of get to stay on the same page like that when the puck's moving around like that. And then Baron just has the shot. It was a good, good shot. There was a screen, moving screens in front too. But I just thought that, that that's the, that's the kind of play that you want if you're the Habs from Suzuki and, and Caulfield it's just and you just haven't really been getting that too much this year from them and I think that's the big concern with Montreal yeah no I mean that that's where the play started you're right on the Suzuki cross ice pass like that just sets up everything chaos happens after that I mean there was two things for me you know one obviously being with the struggles of the penalty kill at, at times this year giving up that pass is that, that that's what's killed them right like you can't it's just the cardinal sin of a PK is to avoid that happening because it just breaks everything down and it's difficult to, you know, be structured after that. I will say though, that was a hell of a pass. I mean, yeah, the, the, the Jets lanes. were like they were in the lanes. It just found its way through. So maybe it's just a little bit of a a stick tap to Suzuki on that one. But I thought I didn't like the way Hellebuck played the shot. I I mean, watch the replay again if you can from uh, Justin Barron's angle, essentially. And it looks to me like Helly guesses. Like he goes, he kind of moves blocker first for no real apparent reason. And Baron picks the corner top glove there. But maybe it's chair or maybe it's nitpicking a little bit here. But I mean, kind of stationary from dead center in the ice, basically top of the circle. I I, I think it's a shot Hellebuck should stop. I, I didn't like the way that he played it on that one. Morse, I think to me, that was the big issue on that play not necessarily giving up a nice pass by suzuki there but more so it i he'll, yeah i i think hellebuck will tell you yeah i, I kind of guessed a little bit and should stop one i should stop that one right in the middle of the slot area there not not even the slot it was above the slot that's how far away the shot was yeah i wonder if that that net front presence kind of messed with them a little bit i just took a peek at it and you see the net front guy kind of he, he's, he's going towards the front of the net and then peels off last second to, to give that blocker side for Baron to shoot at. And I wonder if Hellebuck kind of thought, oh, he's he's making room for the for the blocker side. He sees something there and he kind of flinched a little bit early. But you really shouldn't be guessing in the NHL. I mean it's easier said than done for, for us yeah. sitting there watching. But I mean 
it's tough. It's like a four on three, too. It's it was super scrambly, too. I don't he wasn't totally set then in the right position there. So he, as the hell of a, like you said, you would definitely say I should have stopped it. But hey, sometimes it's just sometimes it's just not your night. And like like you mentioned, you are in the lane. The puck goes through maybe on another night that clips the back of the skate blade and puck yeah. goes to Dylan and he clears it out. Right. Like it's yeah. I mean, no, no biggie. He, I thought he should have stopped it. He's still a great goalie. Still having a great year. Yeah. Just uh, didn't, didn't love the way that he played the final shot on the goal there. Um, do, do you think that there, that sometimes it's, it's weird. It seems like when he lets in those bad goals, they're around the same spot. Hey, like even like just thinking back to like the Darnell Nurse goal against Edmonton, it was kind of around the same area. It's not the same play at all because there's the it was just a zone entry there. But it's it seems like sometimes those shots kind of handcuff them. Yeah, I'm not. I yeah, I don't have a good answer for you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I just I, I don't know. I I I think if he just kind of stays set there. You know, maybe he's got a chance to at least get a bit of a glove on it and tip it over the net, but he didn't. And the Jets lose um, three-two. I, you know, I talked about the Ealers penalty there near the end of the game that set up that that uh, OT winning goal. To to me, that's not even the the worst officiating error on the night. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, Tice, but how the hell is that not a head pass by uh, it's by Anderson on on I, on goal number two for for Montreal there? Like what? <laughs> I mean, but I, to me, Bones is one thousand percent in the right to, uh, you know, no challenge flag, but to throw the challenge in there, I, I don't, I don't get. I get how you can miss that real time, right? Because yeah. maybe you're watching that, you think it did da, 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 da. but to review that, I'm just blown away, blown away that the NHL and the officials screwed that one up. Because to, to me, I mean, if it touches Anderson's stick. It is like razor thin, but to me, you have to have some semblance of control with your stick to then transfer possession to another player. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 I just that that felt it looked wrong watching it live, and then to actually see the replay and be like, yeah, that confirmed what I saw, and then to have it just completely overturned anyways there. Yeah, just like am I crazy? Like I that I I just I, I think they, I think it was a complete bungle job by the refs there. Well, and not to mention that that review there opens up a can of worms for that kind of play, right? Like, what's to stop a guy from grabbing the puck around the net and throwing it in the crease? You know what? Like, really? Like if Hellebuck if Hellebuck stick tips it, that he goes for a poke check there, like he did, and he swats it, and there's more scramble there, and the puck ends up going in the net, but it's still a direct result of a hand pass. But because of because of the rule and because it's oh I grazed his stick so therefore possession changed or and and whatnot like that opens a huge can of worms. You can't have guys going around the net just uh, willy nilly dropping the pucks down in front of the crease. Like it's just <laughs> I mean I'm not I'm not that that would be awesome. I'm not worried about that. That that's not my issue with it. But it's, it's just no. like you you've got to you've got to have control of the puck on your stick after you like you can't just. <laughs> right like you've, you've got to either that or somebody on the jet has to you know lose possession of the puck right yeah. like there there was just no the, to me there was no transfer of possession from anderson throwing dropping the puck down 
to the Montreal player, then shooting it into the open net there. Like yeah, I, you- I, I just thought it was open and shut. This is going to be nice and easy. And I, I, I really don't understand how the ref saw it differently. It's there was no play made on the puck by anyone after the hand pass, which is why it doesn't. It blows my mind. Like I, I really, and for that long of a review too, you kind of think, oh, okay, they're they are probably gonna take this one back. This has been like a, it was like what like a five minute review or six minute. Like it was I, a ch- long I changed the channel. It was disgustingly long, but yeah, yeah like it, and you're just thinking, oh, they're gonna take this one back, right? And it's just I, I, I mean, I don't know what's a goal and what's not anymore. Depend like it really depending on the angle, the camera angle, it just seems like if they're like if it's not a hundred percent, like close and doors shut conclusive even though that one is pretty much as close close as you can get it's just i i really don't know i do and that's the other thing that that pisses me off about the nhl and not not just the nhl but sport a lot of the sports in general the nba kind of does a a little thing but these refs and replay officials have no accountability like they don't have to go out and explain the call or anything they always send out uh like a little note after the goal reviews but it's just bs like it was deemed inconclusive no goal like there's no there's no explanation no accountability for any any refs or replay officials and the interviewing the replay replay officials kind of gets a little tough but man like i would love to hear a, a real person not a written statement but a real person break down why they did decided that that's not a, or that is a goal yeah tra- transparency i mean that would be great for the fans the nhl has uh basically for its entire existence opted to uh, forego transparency and, and keep things as uh, close and shut as possible there. So yeah, we, we didn't like it. I know a lot of people in Winnipeg didn't like it. You know, even watching uh, TSN waiting for you to get back Tyson I can tell you Jay on right. And Luke Wilson didn't like it either. So I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. It was just a, to, to me really bizarre that they, opted to keep that one a goal for Montreal and potentially cost the Jets, you know, the full two points in regulation on that one. Um, but again, maybe just not the Jets night on that um, on, on this evening. And that was maybe the ultimate um, foreboding omen after that one got called a good goal. Um, quickly, just a look at the team in the game, Tyson. <sighs> this fourth line's awesome. There's, there's just no other way to put it. I mean, they're, they're, they're just, they're a bit of a buzzsaw. They're, they're, like they're, this isn't, you know, the greatest fourth line of all time or anything like that. But, I mean, in this game against Montreal, they kind of were. These were the results. Gustafson, 18 shot attempts, four, one against. Fialbi, 12-4, one against. Morgan Barron, while they were on the ice together as a trio, 16-4, one, one against. And, again, that's just an attempt. Um, I don't believe an actual shot made its way on goal with those three on the ice. Uh, mainly because Gustafson and Janssen Fialbi have an expected goals rate of 100% according <laughs> to natural stat trick, which also sounds stupid because they didn't score. So, like, <laughs> the math is not happening. Can you have 100% if you don't? Like, shouldn't it be either way? Uh, because, that, I mean, that's we're, we're, we're losing the, the forest for the trees there. Um, the fourth line's been really, really good for, for a long, long time. I, I don't know if Kapari gets his spot back in the lineup, which is, you know, a shame for for him in the sense of, you know, he did nothing wrong. But these guys are just rolling right now. And they had themselves another really, really nice game. And so, I mean, I think we just needed to give a little bit of love to the fourth line boys. 
unfortunately, Morgan Barron loses the battle of brothers Barron in this one, but he played himself a pretty good game. And yeah, to me, the other one, Tice, again, Velarde. I mean, he's just, especially watching him wearing 13. You know, Kevin Hayes wore 13 here in Winnipeg, and that stint didn't go over too well. And sometimes I get like a PTSD seeing <laughs> Velarde in that, th- just because he's a big boy too. But man, the the, the he, he's Kevin Hayes if Kevin Hayes wanted to play his hardest every single night. Yeah. He's, I mean, it's not out of the realm that Velarde, however many games he plays this season, ends up as a point of game player and does so while bringing tremendous defensive impact as well. He's he is a major major player for this team, and when Kyle Connor comes back, things get really scary with that forward group really really quickly. You know, let alone if they find somebody to come in and you know supplant and, and supplement that second line center spot. But I thought those guys had a great game, and then obviously hope Morrissey's okay, tough Jeez. as nails. But like, man, to come back from that immediately is one thing. Um, never good when something swells up about 10 seconds after it happens. So we, we might be getting full cage Morrissey for the next, um, uh, next handful of games, but that's scary. Yeah. Like you can't, I mean, losing Connor is one thing to have Morrissey come in on top of that. That that's Defcon one right there. So hopefully that's- it's, hopefully it just hurts, <laughs> hurts like hell for the next little bit, but he's good to play. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he missed a game. That's a bad cut, especially right on the cheek. Like, right, you're getting it right close to the orbital, too. That's the other thing that's a little bit worrying is that it is a little, that area is right around there. But he was, yeah, that was a, that's right on the skin. And like, especially you start bleeding there, too. It's just going to keep bleeding. And that's what makes it look way worse, too, right? You see the instant blood come out. Like, it was a nasty gash. That's going to be a, like, you saw Chikrin's cheek the other day, right? Yeah. Yeah. When he, when he, Tried to abandon like, Ottawa. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's gonna be like it's gonna be a cut similar to that, I think. And you know, maybe he does play. It's tough as nails if he does because that thing is gonna hurt. Like that's yeah. the that's one thing I think people don't always totally understand is that even though like you have the cage on, like your face, it just hurts. Like you're so much. It's just like everything you do. Like anytime you take a bump, your head's just moving, and you can just feel the sweat. Like it's. It's brutal. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him miss a game. You mentioned Velarde. I, you hit it on the head there. Like, I don't don't need to touch too much more on that. He's a stud. Like, he's just a stud. And the fourth line, this that line, I could very easily see becoming a cult, like, cult classic line in Winnipeg. Where, like, you look back in 10 years and, like, hey, hey, remember the remember that fourth line in the 2023-24 season? Like, they there was a buzzsaw. Like, remember... Remember the Daryl Powell, Blair Betsy, and LaPerriere fourth line for the Flyers? How could anyone forget? Yeah. It's it's those kind of things. And you just it, there's something special. It's weird to say about a fourth line group, especially when they're not like they're not blowing you away offensively. But there's just something special about that group of players there. And it's just the way they play together. I, I I've always been a huge fan of Janssen Fialbi, and I said it last episode. It's crazy that he, going into the season he was like the team's 14th or 15th best forward like it's yeah yeah it really is yeah. like this this organization old depth is just crazy and i mean it's I mean, great like, too that your 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 fourth line plays a fourth line game gus is what early 20s baron early 20s fialbi's like t- mid 20s at most kapari early 20s right like you're not even doing the old 
here's a bunch of 33 year olds getting thrown out there and you know we're not giving some of the youngsters some ice time here like this this is a perfect world here where some some young guys are getting some minutes and they're they're more than than handling their fair share they've been really 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 impressive and i mean it's it's massive too in more of a macro sense where hey if you can lop off a minute minute and a half of of Shifley's ice time of Ehlers ice time by the time April rolls around a little fresher a little less banged up win-win for everybody involved there so I think the fourth line is going to keep this up moving forward down the rest of the way here whoever is going to be a part of that iteration because the Jets are pretty deep up front as it stands right now um now quickly Tyson let's try to wrap this up in the next handful of minutes here sucks the Jets lose to Montreal and as it stands right now, the club finds themselves just one point back of Dallas and Colorado as well, I guess, for tops in the division there. But that's because the Winnipeg Jets once again took care of the Avalanche Saturday night, maybe even more resounding than their initial victory out in Denver earlier this year. I know McCarr wasn't in the game. That, that yeah, pretty big pretty big impact potentially but i don't know tyson two games in a row in a short time against colorado looked to me it was pretty obvious who the best team was out there maybe not the best player but kind of wild to think that the jets for now at least have outclassed colorado so far this season well and especially like you take into account the series against Dallas so far it hasn't gone the Jets way and we there was some talk early in the season where people were saying oh they're beating up on bad teams they're they haven't they ever like that stretch I think that was like their first three losses were against solid teams and everyone pointed to those and saying well once they play the good teams they they can't do anything but you look against Colorado and I I think part of it Colorado didn't look great in the two games against the Jets but I wonder how much of that is Colorado? Is that Colorado declining, which I think they have a little bit, or does it, or is it just the Jets are that much better than the Avalanche right now? And I, think I, I, that, I, I do think it is both. I, I think yeah. Colorado, as it stands, they're they're not the same team. I mean, it's not even a debate, really, right? Like they were a wagon, they lost. What did they lose? Like it's mainly up front, right? Like losing. 100-point Nazem Kadri yeah. um, to go along with they've lost JT Comfer now. Um, Gabe Landeskog? Like, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I guess that's a pretty big <laughs> one, too. They basically lost like a really good to elite second line. And that, that to me, that's what's separating them from where they've been in the past. And like McKinnon and Ranton and them, well, you know, they're going to be better than 99% of the guys most nights, but there's not that secondary wave of scoring that we've seen from Colorado just yet. And Johansson and Drew Ann have not, they're, they're big kind of, you know, lottery pick bets before the season started, haven't panned out in a big way for them just yet. So that's why, that's why I, I definitely threw the caveat in as of now, the Jets have outclassed Colorado because I do think it's going to be a much different avalanche team. Once the trade deadline comes and goes, I, I'm not going to be shocked if they make some pretty significant additions. Dallas might too, which also sucks. But the, I mean, you you touched on the main point there. Up against the two best teams in their division so far this year, Colorado massive check mark. Dallas basically two one goal losses that could have went either way. So they've 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 shown that they can go up against the best of the best. 
So, I mean, that's obviously massively important for them as we head into the new year here. But, man, that 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 was 6-2. It feels like almost doesn't even do it justice uh, to how much the Jets dominated Colorado in that hockey game and that very, very deserving 6-2 victory. Um, yeah, it's going to be a tight one down the stretch. It's pretty wild. And, I mean, hey, the, winning the division would be great. First seed would be great, all that. Um, but just kind of staying in that second, third spot, staying in the mix with Cal Connor out. Like, if they're in that spot by the time he gets back in, I think that's probably best-case scenario for the team. And then we see if any additions happen or are necessary after that. Well, and and don't look now either. We were looking at the two teams ahead of the Jets in the Central. But what about the team that's right behind them? Oh, we got to do this again. I don't. I don't know. It's just. Uh, I. I think there's someone saying that the that the Predators might be a sneaky dark horse team this year. And I, I mean, I don't. Hey, I, I don't know. Well, I don't. I don't know. I just. Uh, you got to keep an eye on those pesky Preds. Don't worry. We got Vancouver, Philly, Dallas, Carolina on their schedule next. So four straight L's there. Don't worry. Nature will write itself. Yeah, they're probably not going to finish second last in the division anymore. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just not, I'm not buying them. But it's wild because the rest of the West, like after the top three in each division, it's really not good. <laughs> like it's it is rough. A team that's just out of the playoff picture just fired their head coach, and they're like in a free like turmoil. Yeah, like it's they're like yeah. barely out of the playoffs right now. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it's really good for yeah. No, I mean we'll see. I mean Edmonton's it's pretty wild. Edmonton goes on an eight and two run, and they're still five points out of a playoff spot right now. But I mean that you almost wonder too. Like, <laughs> would you if you're the Jets? Would you rather play like if you would you rather win the division and face white hot Edmonton in round one, or maybe take your chances against Dallas, Colorado? Whatever, we'll worry about that. That's a good problem to worry about if you're the Jets. Um, but we'll keep an eye on the, obviously the Western playoff race as the season continues here. And then one final note, Tyson, big news out of the nation's capital. The Ottawa Senators have fired DJ Smith and they're going back. It's retro time. Jacques Martin interim head coach there in Ottawa. Miley. And let's just, you know, spend a minute or two on this. My only comment is why so long? Like DJ Smith has coached Ottawa for five seasons. That's a crazy long time for a playoff team. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they've been, I know the phase, the first two, maybe three years. Sure. As a rebuilding club, but it's wild to me that he's lasted this long. I know the Ottawa ownership, the new regime wanted to do the whole stability thing and all that. But I mean, come on at some point, Results have to matter here. I think Ottawa did the right thing, and then you can kind of reassess it either later this year or after the season comes to an end. Um, but I would also say, speaking of that that other team that you mentioned there, you know, you've got a young, talented team in Ottawa, and a Stanley Cup winning coach basically has just fallen into your lap in Craig Berube. I wouldn't wait too long to, you know, have a few other teams make the rounds and talk with him about their openings. I would maybe try to speed up that process a little bit. But what did you make of the news of DJ Smith getting the axe in Ottawa? 
I, I, I mean, I was about time, right? Like this team has been brutal this year. It's, I don't even know. And especially like there's something going on in that locker room that needs to be addressed because you have your captain out there in every game that you're losing, acting like a child. I love Brady to Chuck, but it has been these last, this last 10 game stretch has been like, dude, like stop, like just stop. You like, you have to have, this team has no composure. They have no, it's to me, it was DJ Smith was more of their friend than their coach. Uh, that's that's yeah, well, why I see it. And, good news, Tyson. That won't be the case with Shaq Martin. Yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, it's 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 sort of poetic, right? Like Daniel Alfredson Hobson was Jacques Martin when Jacques Martin came to Ottawa the first time, right? Like that was Daniel Alfredson's kind of coming into the NHL. Some tough love with Spezza too. Like there was a lot of tough love there, and we saw the player that Jason Spezza became. But I it, what what really weirds me out is that you chose now that I like, I get that it's kind of overdue, but you do it right before the holidays too. And I wonder, I was talking with a, with one of our colleagues who has a great sense podcast locked on sense. Like it's a, a unbelievable hockey podcast, Ross Lavatan, but he was telling me about DJ Smith was saying, cause he ran practice today. Like he still ran, which is weird to fire your coach after he runs practice. But he mentioned that there was DJ Smith said something about to the, along the lines of, I wanted the guys to have a fun practice today. And I wonder if Steve Steos is just sitting in the back like, wait, what did you just say? A fun practice? Like, we just blew a lead. And we're, and we're trying to have a fun practice? Like, get this. This guy is yeah, I think that, really that, that that's bad. probably the I, – I, I, this is going to be my last practice. So <laughs> maybe they threw a pizza party. Hey, pizza party can – everybody loves a pizza party. That's a – Right, that'll turn around the vibes there in Ottawa. Yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens there with the Sens. Got a lot of games in hand on everybody for some odd reason. Um, okay, quickly, ten seconds, go. Yeah, one quick point. Well, the, a lot of games because they were overseas on the Sweden trip, but yeah, it's way yeah, too many care. games. But I'm gonna make a bold prediction right now. The next head coach of the Ottawa Senators will be Patrick Waugh. Ooh, ooh, well, sign me up for that. I mean, I even if Pat, Patrick Wall behind a bench anywhere, sign me up for that. Ottawa, hey, uh, if, if you want to talk about composure, I don't know if Patty was, you know, the best example for Brady Kachuk to follow there. So that would be, yeah, that that would be guaranteed fireworks. I mean, hey, Battle of Ontario, Patty Wall thrown in the mix. Yeah, I'm, I and, like that. And Lauer has connections with Wall. It used to be a part of the same junior team with Wah. Let's do it. I like it. All right. Well, hopefully better times in Ottawa. Um, maybe they can follow the same path that the Winnipeg Jets are doing right now and get themselves back into it. Hey, we saw what Bones has done over the past couple of years. Uh, sometimes a spark behind the bench is exactly what you need. Uh, but that'll do it for the episode here. We'll cap it off there. And one more for the holidays. So we'll get to that with you guys on Friday morning. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Skates and Plates here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki, with CJOB's Tyson Rewicki once again. We're back at it Friday morning, and we will break down the Jets' matchup with the Red Wings on Wednesday night and see if any moves are made before the holiday freeze takes place around the NHL as well. So a little bit of action for you guys before... Uh, things slow down over the next handful of days. Until then, though, enjoy the rest of your work week. Stay safe and have a good time, everybody. We'll talk to you on Friday. Peace.